are Locked On Eagles, your daily Philadelphia Eagles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Eagles podcast, as always, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Louis DiBiase joining you on episode two this week of five. Download it into your phone when you subscribe to Locked On Eagles, wherever you listen to your podcast. It's a Tuesday edition of the show. Had a lot of fun yesterday with Gino on Mock Draft Monday. We did a live video version of the podcast for the first time, I would say, ever actually. Yeah, in the three years that we've been doing the show, we use StreamYard and we're doing that once a week now at least. You can find those videos on our YouTube page, Locked On Eagles, or our Twitter accounts at Lockdown Birds at DBSELOE at GC24 underscore football. So we had video up yesterday on Mock Draft Monday, as well as the podcast always goes up on audio wherever you listen to your shows. But we did a kind of different Mock Draft Monday again, as we've kind of been spicing it up the last few weeks as the NFL Draft is just around the corner, a little over two weeks to go here, Thursday, April 29th, 16 days away from the start of the first round of the 2021 NFL Draft. Me and Gino did a predictive first round Mock Draft, so we went kind of back and forth. I got pick one, he got pick two, I got pick three, back and forth. And we did a mock draft for all 32 teams, or all 32 picks, that is, based on what we think the picks are going to be, what we think they would do, not what we would do. And the Eagles had, I'm just going to, I'm going to say it right now, we had two picks for the Eagles in yesterday's mock draft. That's all I'll say about the birds, but I think you're going to like what we did for Philadelphia. So go check out that show. Today's show, I don't know if it's going to be as fun. I'm sure a lot of you have read that pretty eye-opening, dysfunctional story from The Athletic. And I don't mean the story was dysfunctional itself. It was incredible reporting by all the guys, you know, Shel Kapadia, uh, Bo Wolf, Zach Berman. It was an incredible piece of reporting over the collapse of the Eagles from the 2017 Super Bowl championship to the 4-11-1 season in 2020, losing Doug Peterson, losing Carson Wentz. Howie Roseman being the last man standing along with Jeffrey Lurie, they really dug into the dysfunction of this organization and how it absolutely collapsed. And we've looked, we've known for a while now that the Eagles have a dysfunctional dynamic when it comes to ownership, when it comes to the front office, scouts, the analytics department, coaches and players. But you continuously see now over the last, I would say, six months since this collapse in 2020, where you no longer have your former Super Bowl winning head coach, your former MVP quarterback that was the face of the franchise. We've kind of seen over and over again more stories unveil what has been happening, but they keep coming out with more in-depth pieces that shine a further light into just how dysfunctional it really was. And it's in large part thanks to Jeffrey Lurie, And Howie Roseman, this athletic story, I think, is the latest one that did, I think it did the best job of proving what we kind of knew already about Lurie and Roseman. I still can't believe to this day, I kind of feel bad for trashing Chip Kelly for all those years. Yeah, he was a terrible general manager in 2015, but I think he had it right when it comes to his opinion of Lurie and Roseman. And I think it's extremely impressive that he was able to wrestle power from those guys in 2015. I mean, the fact that Doug Peterson couldn't do it, but Chip did. But I think that really that result of him getting control kind of built into the ego and the insecurities of Lurie and Howie. And that might be part of why this story has all the details and why things happened the way it did. And you know, it's crazy because you guys know, listening to this podcast since 2018, I went three years 
thinking the Eagles were one of the most well-run organizations. I was almost arrogant about it on this show. Me and Gino almost had like, it was such a confident vibe that it almost came off as cocky. Honestly, from 2018 to 2020, or I should say 2017 to 2020, we thought this team had it all figured out. You guys have heard to death over and over again, that same cheesy saying, oh, playing chess while everybody else is playing checkers. We said it so much because we thought it was true about this team. It always seemed like they were one step ahead, but in actuality, after reading this story and so many others over the past couple years, talking about Lurie and Roseman middling in coaching decisions, ignoring and belittling Doug Peterson, almost firing Frank Reich and Doug Peterson after 2016, if it wasn't for Carson Wentz putting his hands in on the decision and kind of intervening and saying, no, that's not happening. Carson Wentz, guys, is a huge part of that Super Bowl win in more ways than we thought. If it wasn't for Carson, it might have been Jim Schwartz and John Filippo as the head coach and offensive coordinator instead of Doug Peterson and Frank Reich. So we heard all that. We've heard about Howie Roseman ignoring scouts and you know having their hands on who plays week in and week out. And you just hear this insecurity and the ego growing after Howie took back over for Chip Kelly after winning a Super Bowl. It's clear that, no, this was not the most well-run organization in the league. It's clear that the Eagles' coaches and players won a championship in 2017 in spite of having to deal with a front office and ownership that tried to throw this thing off the rails in any way possible over and over again. And the fact that they won a championship, the fact that I'm looking at a Super Bowl ring on my desk, the fact that I'm looking at a painting right in front of my studio of Doug Peterson and Nick Foles staring down Bill Belichick and Tom Brady. And I'm seeing the Philadelphia Inquirer newspaper that says, at last, the Eagles finally win the Super Bowl. The fact that I'm seeing that in all these Sports Illustrateds of a historic year where the Eagles won a championship, after reading all these details of what these coaches and players and these scouts had to deal with, it's maybe the most impressive championship ever. And I'm sure other teams have dealt with this kind of dysfunction as well, and it kind of gets unveiled when teams lose. But my gosh, I don't know how you thrive in that kind of toxic environment. And we'll get into the details of that story coming up next right here on Locked on Eagles. Today's episode of Locked on Eagles is brought to you by BetOnline.ag. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football might be over, but you can bet on draft props. You've got the NBA. You've got the NHL all in full swing. And BetOnline even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV, real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. Head over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today, and you're going to receive a 50% off welcome bonus on your first deposit when you use our promo code LOCKEDON, that's L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, for a 50% off welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. All right, everybody, welcome back into this Tuesday edition of the Locked on Eagles podcast, diving into Details of a horrifying story inside the athletic talking about the Philadelphia Eagles dysfunction from top to bottom from the front office, their dynamic with the scouting department and the coaches and the analytics department and ownership and players. It really does make sense now why this team fell apart being on top of the world in 2017 to now being what feels like at rock bottom. I feel bad. I mean, yet impressed after reading that story, that Doug Peterson, specifically in Carson Wentz, and of course the entire team, credit to the coaching staff, the players, the scouting department, people that had to deal with almost impossible situations, to do what they did in 2017, 2018, and 2019 is really damn impressive. We knew how hard it was with injuries, 
on both sides of the ball with bad draft classes from Howie Roseman, from bad free agent signings. I mean, they just missed on pretty much everything in 2018, 2019, and 2020. And then you have the distracting quarterback situations, Wentz Foles, Wentz Hurts. You have a fan base and media that they're glued into every little thing you do, and sometimes often maybe overcritical portions of it, right? I love the passion of Philadelphia, but again, it's a tough place to play. It's hyper-competitive. So all of that combined, it was already impressive, the track record they have, but then you read about all the other stuff they had to deal with behind the scenes. It's like, my God. For Doug Peterson especially, even when they won, it wasn't good enough. for the, I, I cannot believe he did not burn out. Even after 2016, I mean, this guy was given no time. And he had to meet with Howie and Lurie every Tuesday, even after wins, to justify things. When he ran the ball down Green Bay's throat on that Thursday night game against Green Bay in... 2019, it wasn't good enough that they put up 30 plus points and beat Aaron Rodgers and Carson Wentz threw for three touchdowns. Nope. They ran the ball too much. So Jeffrey Lurie went after Doug Peterson in a meeting later that next week. The same thing that year against Buffalo. Oh, they won on the ground. Wasn't good enough. Lurie did not commend Doug for those tough wins against great teams. He kind of berated him. And Peterson, again, having to meet with them every single week to justify what they did. A source said in that story, they treated Doug Peterson like a baby, second-guessing him for every move. How did Doug deal with that? And not, I mean, he finally did say to kick rocks last year, and I love that part because this was the complete definition of micromanaging. The complete definition. And my question is, if you're Lurie, if you're Roseman, if you had that little belief in Doug, where you had to hold his hand through everything, then why did you hire him? In the first place, if you thought he was that incompetent, even after winning a championship and then nearly making the NFC title the next year with no thanks to your guys' help, then why did you hire him in the first place? Maybe that is why they hired him, right? Because they felt like they could hold his hand through everything and keep the training wheels on and have control, and he wouldn't say much, right? It's probably why they keep hiring first-time head coaches. But Doug finally said, no, I'm done. Even you look at the entire five years of Peterson's career with Philadelphia, he was always under the microscope with the sun reflecting off of it, like a kid holding the microscope, reflecting the sun on an ant. That was Lurie and Howie on Doug. After 2016, they almost fired Doug Peterson and Frank Reich if it wasn't for Carson Wentz stepping in. Jeffrey Lurie, even at the start of the 2017 season, after Doug was kept, Lurie had a three-hour-long meeting with Jim Schwartz in preparation for a new head coach if Doug Peterson started off slow. You guys remember that story, remember? In 2017, in 2018, there was some leaks that players were saying Jim Schwartz walked around like he was the head coach. That was back then. Four years later, we're learning that almost was reality, that Lurie had such a tight leash on Doug and Frank Reich The Super Bowl almost didn't happen. Again, Carson Wentz, say what you will about Carson Wentz and his say within the organization. Maybe he had too much power, but Carson Wentz not only got you home field advantage and that helped you win a title, but if he doesn't step in and advocate for Frank Reich and Doug Peterson, they're not winning a championship with Jim Schwartz as head coach and John DeFilippo as the offensive coordinator. And then Doug Peterson again threatened to be fired after 2019 when he wouldn't fire Mike Groh and Carson Walsh. Jeffrey Lurie said, basically, it was an ultimatum. Fire those guys or you're fired. It was almost the same thing with Frank Reich, again, until the franchise quarterback 
stepped in. Doug Peterson, the stress levels, kudos to him. He deserves to take a long vacation because this was a toxic environment specifically for the coaches, for players, and for scouts. I mean, you hear about this internal war between coaches and scouts versus the analytics department, Howie Roseman, and Jeffrey Lurie. The analytics department was described in the story as this almost mysterious black ops team that only responded to Lurie. And then scouts were ignored in drafts, right? They were perplexed that Howie Roseman would draft Jalen Rager over Justin Jefferson. J.J. Ortega-Whiteside was a Jeffrey Lurie handmade pick, even though the scouts wanted, granted, a bad pick too. And Paris Campbell, Jeffrey Lurie was stepping in, saying they wanted J.Jaw. Those two together said, let's draft a backup quarterback in Jalen Hurts in the second round when scouts and coaches wanted one of the best defensive rookies in the league last year in Panthers safety, Jeremy Chin. And then you hear the analytics department themselves had their own grading system that was separate of the big board from coaches and scouts. Howie Roseman did his own rankings. Jeffrey Lurie watched tape. Not sure if he was actually watching tape or was he actually watching YouTube highlights. I'm not so sure, but this thing was split down the middle. It was complete internal civil war, like in Marvel, the Avengers. I got to read this one part of this because this was, it really best describes this dynamic and it's also... It really just shows Howie Roseman and the DNA of why he is the way he is right now, stemming back to when he was demoted for Chip Kelly. So here's a quote from this story. Before the 2018 draft, the Eagles installed a state-of-the-art draft room across the building from what is traditionally considered the football side of the building, where the coaching staff and scouting department sat. One year later, Halliby's department was moved from the, and this is the analytics uh, department, was moved from the football side of the building to an alcove near the new draft room. Though Halliby maintained his influence, the symbolism of Roseman banishing an entire department to the other side of the building was not lost on those who watched Roseman undergo the same move three years prior when Lurie had him cast aside in favor of Chip Kelly. That's Howie Roseman. Again, it's the insecurity of him being demoted, right? It's him against, that him against the world mentality. His management style is based around his obsession with how he's portrayed, with surviving inside that building, with keeping his job. And you add on top of that, winning the Super Bowl, building that ego, like, yeah, I should have never been demoted in the first place. You combine that ego being built up on top of the insecurities, that turned him back into who he was before he was demoted, right? When he came out in 2016, everybody talked about a humble Howie Roseman that was learning from his mistakes, that took that 2015 season off and talked to general managers and personnel members in different, not only in different organizations across the NFL, but in different sports, right? He came out a different man. That's what Jason Kelsey even said in that Super Bowl speech. But then the championship win in this micromanaging, in this need for more and more power, because he felt justified in it now, on top of the insecurities, on top of everything, Jeffrey Lurie kind of felt the same way, right? Jeffrey Lurie, I think, also had insecurities after Chip Kelly. He felt like Chip Kelly took his team away. When he gave Chip the team, it didn't feel like he had any say anymore because Chip Kelly didn't trust Jeffrey Lurie with personnel decisions or Howie Roseman, who he called a numbers guy. Remember that back in 2014? And so much like Howie Roseman, Jeffrey Lurie, had insecurities, and it's why his involvement continues to grow because he felt like his franchise that he owned was taken away from him by Chip Kelly. So you can really track all of what's happened now back to those moments in 2015, and it's why he, I think, 
refuses to ever remove Howie Roseman because Howie Roseman is a survivor. He's insecure. He's got a big ego. He's going to be a yes man to Jeffrey Lurie and Howie Roseman wants a yes man for himself in that department. They both want their head coach to be that yes man. And so Doug Peterson kind of was just in the way, right? He kind of dealt with the aftermath of Chip Kelly and all this micromanaging and being met every Tuesday, even in wins and those guys deciding who his assistant coaches would be and ignoring those opinions of the scouts and coaches in drafts. It really all goes back to them getting their team back, them getting their mojo back, getting rid of those insecurities, building up that ego after they were a part of a championship win, even though you should credit more so the coaches and the players. So it's, it's not surprising that all this happened, but it's extremely, extremely alarming. And it makes me feel like there's not a lot of hope right now as long as this thing continues the way it is. And as long as Lurie and Roseman are in power right now, why should we ever assume that's going to change? I just, man, that story was incredible. The reporting, a lot of it we kind of already knew, but the more in-depth we went, the more horrifying it really, really got. And so Philadelphia, inside that Novacare complex, again, I thought it was collected, but it seems like it's an absolute circus. Louis DiBiase joining you on this Tuesday edition of Lockdown Eagles. Guys, we got to hit one more break and wrap up the show coming up next. Guys, today's edition of Lockdown Eagles is brought to you by rockauto.com. One reason to repair and to maintain your car is to save money, right? That you can then use for more important things for the adults out there. It's the mortgage, it's groceries, it's things for the kids. For me, it's, you know, vintage Eagle stuff on eBay or sour beers. Why would you choose to spend 30, 50, 100% more for the exact same auto parts at a chain store or a new car dealership? Chain stores have different price tiers for professional mechanics and the do-it-yourselfers, while rockauto.com Com's prices are always the same for everybody, and they're always reliably low. It's a family business that's been serving auto park customers online for 20 years. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Head over to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or your truck. Make sure you write down Locked On in there. How did you hear about us box so they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need at rockauto.com. All right, everybody, Louis DiBiase wrapping up this Tuesday edition of your daily Philadelphia Eagles podcast, Locked On Eagles, diving into the details of that athletic story about the collapse of the 2017 Eagles to where they are now. It's called paranoia, mismanagement, and office politics inside the Eagles' downfall under Jeffrey Lurie and Howie Roseman. And it was, again, an incredible piece. You guys heard all the in-depth details in segment two. And look, it sounds like, again, this collapse was inevitable from the start. Thank God the coaches and players got us one, one championship before Lurie and Howie messed it up because listening to everything that went down, from the start, this thing had a shelf life, a short shelf life of a couple of years. It's kind of like, you know, dairy products or lunch meat. Get it while it's there because in a week or two, it's going to rot. And you could feel the structure was held together with scotch tape and Elmer's glue. And it really started after Chip Kelly left. Their insecurities grew large after Chip Kelly. And when you add that on top of the growth and ego after a championship, it resulted in an explosive recipe, and it cost them, unfortunately, a franchise quarterback. It cost them a Super Bowl head coach. It cost them what I thought was the golden era of Eagles football, and it's really, really tough to be an Eagles fan right now hearing all this because you this is the 
complete nightmare scenario. You never thought, I mean, even in 2019 and in 2018 with the ups and downs, I still never thought that in just a year and a half, this is where this organization would be. It's honestly, it's heartbreaking. It's devastating because we thought this kind of stuff left with Chip Kelly, but it might not have been. And I'm not trying to defend Chip Kelly and say he was the best thing that ever happened to this organization, but we thought the dysfunction Chip represented that and that we were getting back to a sense of normalcy and what the Eagles were. And, you know, we thought we had stability with the dynamic of Lurie, Howie, Doug Peterson, Carson Wentz. We thought we had all the staples of the organization intact, working together, incredible chemistry. We thought as long as we had those guys in power, it was 10 plus years of success. When in actuality, two of those guys, and again, Doug Peterson and Carson Wentz, a lot of the time they were part of the problem. They're not getting off scot-free with responsibility, but those two to see what they were able to do in spite of what Lurie and Howie were doing is impressive. And it's totally understandable why Carson Wentz regressed and why Doug Peterson, I think, regressed as a head coach and finally just had enough. It is a toxic environment that I cannot believe they thrived in as the the amount of success they had is absolutely incredible uh, in the short term. And that's the difference here, though. We're talking about short-term success versus long-term success. After reading this, after knowing now what's going on, after seeing that Lurie continues to lack accountability when it comes to Howie Roseman. Remember that press conference after they fired Doug Peterson? The media time and time again asked him about Howie's performance over the last several years since the championship win, and he refused to hold himself accountable. After hearing all of that, after knowing the dynamic, yes, could they have short-term success again like Chip Kelly did, like Doug Peterson did? Could Nick Sirianni do that if you get head coach right with Sirianni? If you get quarterback right with Jalen Hurts or whoever you trade for or draft in 2022, 100%, they won a Super Bowl under this dynamic. So clearly it can work. But I truly believe now after hearing all this, this offseason, after seeing what happened now multiple times with Roseman as general manager, that I seriously doubt long-term success can come with the way this organization is set up. Again, because the minute... You Because they keep hiring these first-time head coaches that are inexperienced, and so they kind of are yes-men when it comes to personnel control, when it comes to what Lurie and Roseman want with middling and the, the power structure, right? the dynamic and the percentage of power each guy gets. It can work early on. But the minute like Doug Peterson gets more experience, he gets more of a proven track record, he becomes more confident, those guys are not going to want to put up with this. So Nick Sirianni, he might be okay with it in 2020, one in 2022, but what happens if he wins back-to-back, you know, 10-plus win seasons, they make the playoffs, they start winning playoff games, and this is the way the structure of the organization continues? I just can't believe you're going to be able to have a window of more than two, three-plus seasons. They've flamed out multiple times now for reasons under Howie. It just, it's not for long. The NFL stands for not for long. And the Eagles are the perfect example of that based on how this is set up. And that's very disappointing to know that, you know, even when you see success, now I'm going to think, because I've seen it under chip, I've seen it with Doug that I'm going to think this is going to fall eventually because we know what's going on behind the scenes. And that's a crappy feeling right now. That's not a fun situation to be in. And so hopefully we get out of that eventually. Maybe they change. Maybe it works with the right people. Maybe Howie Roseman gets fired next year, but man, these stories make it harder and harder to root for this team. I mean, they went from being, to me, I've never liked the Eagles more than from 2017 to 2019. 
And now I think I like them less than I did in 2015. When it comes to just from a pure fan perspective, when it comes to my excitement level for this team, like when you mentioned the Eagles, I don't get that warm, fuzzy feeling right now because of how it's gone. It's devastating. It's heartbreaking. And everybody's allowed to be upset because you keep reading this and you're like, this is not the way things should be. This is not my team. It's hard to root for them. It really is. Even though they're your team, you know, you bleed green, they don't make it easy on you because they are not a likable organization right now. Louis DiBiase joining you on this Tuesday edition of Locked On Eagles. Thanks so much for tuning in. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your shows. Follow us on Twitter as well at Locked On Birds, at DiBiase, L-O-E, at GC24 underscore football. Signing off for now, I'm Louis DiBiase. As always, thank you for downloading. Thank you for listening, and let's go Birds.